developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2643. So TOB1 is the sixth episode of Star Wars Visions, and we're going to continue our series of looks at that groundbreaking anime Star Wars series today with insights peppered in from the Filmmaker's Focus featurette. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, TOB1 is the sixth episode of Visions, as I said at the top. And as we have done with the previous episodes of this series, we'll focus on five top takeaways from this episode. It is a full spoiler situation, although, you know, I don't know how much I'm really actually going to spoil as we go through it. But, you know, just in case, that's your fair warning. So let's start with the first top takeaway, which is the incredible artwork inside TOB1's living quarters. And, you know, it's hard to tell, even in the beginning, whether it's actually TOB1 who's been drawing on the walls or whether it's CO3 the droid because he goes looking for CO3 in there. But the sort of cave painting-esque scratchings on the wall of his living space, it's just remarkable and it crosses the gamut of Star Wars storytelling. It does have, you know, a lot of like, you know, connecting circles and things that almost make it look like the, you know, the inscriptions that you see in Jedi temples and like the world between worlds thing from Star Wars Rebels, but there are actually scenes that seem like they depict elements of the original trilogy, which is odd considering where this likely appears in the timeline, but be that as it may, I mean, you get to see A-wings facing off against TIE fighters, you get to see X-wings and Y-wings and Imperial walkers and a scout walker also, what looks to be a wampa in one place, what looks to be an illustration of if you remember one of the original trilogy posters, one of the ones for A New Hope, it's the one that has all the X-Wings swooping up into the sky and it has Luke holding up the lightsaber and it's that sort of bodice ripper cover where like half his chest is exposed, <laughs> you know, that one. Like that's kind of depicted on the walls. And there are lightsaber battles depicted on the walls as well. One of them appears to be the battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and General Grievous because the sketch of the two stick figures like one is darker than the other and the one that's darker has four lightsabers and there's another one that appears to be the battle between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and that's because the figure uh, in the darker scratches with the lightsaber in the middle has horns on his little head. And I'm pretty sure I saw the Jedi Temple on Coruscant scratched in there also so lots of easter eggy stuff on the walls in that scene. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is the sort of story origins, if you will. And I think it goes beyond what 
were being told to some degree. So the filmmakers and also the Lucasfilm executives who were interviewed for this talk about it being a classic Pinocchio story. So, you know, the the wooden boy who wants to be a real boy, and in this case, the robot who wants to be a real person and a Jedi. Yeah, so you know, very similar to Pinocchio for sure, but there's more to the story. And the reason I say that is because the story as it goes is you have this Professor Mitaka and T.O.B. 1, and T.O.B. 1 wants to be a Jedi, so Mitaka says if you really want to be a Jedi, go search for a kyber crystal. You'll need that to make a lightsaber. And so he goes to search the planet for it, but in vain, because it turns out at the climax of the story, the kyber crystal has been inside him all along. Like it maybe was the thing that was powering him. Maybe it was the thing that kind of gave him this idea of something calling to him outside of himself. And so for me, that kind of struck Wizard of Oz chords, right? Like Dorothy having the power to send herself back to Kansas all along with the ruby red slippers, that sort of thing. And there's even a waking up aspect of it, right? Like there's a scene in the beginning where uh, T.O.B. 1 has gotten a tune-up from Professor Mitaka and wakes up and says, wow, am I bigger again? And is running around and playing with all the droids and whatnot. And, you know, that for me kind of called to mind the fact that, that, you know, Dorothy wakes up in Kansas and everything was a dream. So, you know, the notion of the falling asleep and waking up and things being different from what they were, like that sort of, you know, keyed in for me as well. Now, for our third point of discussion, what are Inquisitors doing <laughs> in their lives when they're not hunting down Jedi? Because I gotta imagine that at a certain point, the Jedi hunting pickings were pretty thin, and yet we have depicted an Inquisitor who is hanging out on a Star Destroyer and is apparently enough of a passenger of importance and, you know, maybe on a mission to hunt Jedi where stormtroopers are reporting to the Inquisitors saying, hey, we found something. And for all the Inquisitors we've seen before in various media, whether it's the comics like uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, or Star Wars Rebels, or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, this is an entirely different Inquisitor. We've never seen this one before. We don't necessarily get a name for the Inquisitor, whether it's a brother or a sister and what number or anything like that. Hopefully that information will be forthcoming at a later point because, you know, just curious. But anyway, yeah, the notion of what Inquisitors are doing when the Jedi pickings get thin, like I'm curious about that. You know, just are they really cruising around the galaxy? Are they tasked with doing other things? And, you know, are they kidnapping Jedi children or Force-sensitive children? Something like that? I don't know. I would love to know. All right, moving on to a fourth takeaway. This one does have a sort of to-be-continued vibe as well. I mean, you know, it ends with T.O.B. 1, now Toby, taking off and deciding that, hey, the professor's work that actually brought clouds and rain and plant life to this planet that it's actually you know something that his work could be continued and so toby's mission as he decides is i'm going to continue the professor's work on other planets helping people because that's what a jedi does which is fantastic and you know that is the the sort of to be continued like okay what's toby gonna do next on what other planet right you're definitely set up for more of a to be continued with that but the lighter tone generally speaking and the you know very sort of narrow drama and consequences like you know i don't 
<sighs> I, I feel like I, that has a, you know, a negative connotation. I don't mean it like that. I mean, the story is very tightly focused around this one place. It's not like a grand epic vision, like say, you know, the ninth Jedi was, for example, but the fact that it is sort of a lighter story and, you know, very tighter focused story suggests that if they decide to ever continue it, it would probably not be something where they could move it to live action. It would probably stay within another anime short like, hey, are they going to do a Vision Season 2? Wouldn't that be something? I think that would be really fun. Um, or even a manga, right? You know, that sort of situation. I think the stakes are low enough, comparatively speaking, that it's not going to rise to other media beyond where it is right now. And the last takeaway has to do with where we would place this in the timeline. And so, you know, it's a little bit strange in this particular story because we know it's definitely after the events of Revenge of the Sith because Professor Mitaka is in hiding or, you know, to some degree he's in hiding, basically. We'll get to that part in a moment. Um, he definitely doesn't want to be found by the Empire, that's for sure. The Empire is still in power, that seems to be the case, because we've got Star Destroyers and Inquisitors flying around. But the question of whether it actually takes place before or after A New Hope, like, I feel like the drawings on TOB1's wall suggest that this actually is taking place after the events of The Empire Strikes Back. And it seems strange that anybody would have any knowledge or information about what happened on Hoth just, you know, spreading that far and wide where they could have Imperial walkers and a wampa <laughs> depicted on the walls, but that seems to be the only logical conclusion that if you were to impose a canon timeline space on it, it seems like the year in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is the most logical place, but based on you know, the rest of the story cues, you have to, I would say, at least put it past the halfway mark in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And the reason I say that is because the work that Professor Mataka is doing could garner some you know, great publicity and attention. If he's able to figure out how to bring plant life to a dry desert planet, which is sort of like Tatooine, but can't be Tatooine because they were actually successful with the technology, so that doesn't play. But for him to have you know, taken all the time to develop the technology and to have gotten to the point where he was comfortable enough to do this and possibly risk discovery. Well, that suggests that a significant amount of time has passed since the events of Revenge of the Sith. So if I were going to lay my money on it, those cues suggest that it's definitely closer to A New Hope than it is to Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, those, you know, <laughs> sort of cave scratch paintings in the walls of Toby's room suggest that maybe it's even further further ahead. And there you go, that's what I've got for you about TOB1, which is episode 6 of Star Wars Visions, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always, and may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.